But let's come back to, to the big announcement. Uh, I guess that came down on Monday. Uh, the federal government announcing that they're going to impose a two-year cap on international student visas. So this will reduce overall uh, the number of international students, although it is going to vary from institution to institution or province to province. Uh, it sounds like Alberta actually probably won't see much of a reduction at all. But yes, there will be fewer international students. And one of the areas of concern is how that's affecting demand for housing. International students need a place to live. You know, and it speaks to this whole issue where supply and demand for housing are really out of whack. So how significant is this? What's the impact on, on housing? What's the impact on post-secondary institutions? Because, you know, it's been quite lucrative for them. Well, joining us for some thoughts, very pleased to welcome to the program uh, here this morning, Dr. Mike Moffitt, uh, Senior Director of Policy and Innovation at the Smart Prosperity Institute. Mike, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. Well, appreciate you joining us. Um, so, in fact, I understand you, you had an opportunity to kind of speak to the, the cabinet or address uh, this issue before the cabinet. Tell us a bit about your message to them. Yeah, that I, I think this is uh, overdue. Uh, now, higher education is a provincial responsibility, but uh, you know, with uh, so much going on on the, the housing market, that I think it was entirely appropriate for the federal government to step in because they do have this this lever that every international student who comes to Canada requires an international student visa, so it allows this kind of shared jurisdiction. So. Uh, I, I think this is a great move. I wish they had done it years ago, but uh, you know, there's there's no time like the present. So, how how big a deal is it? Like, how much impact is this actually going to have? Do you think uh, it's it's going to be absolutely massive? But uh, it's really going to differ across the country. So, how how the model works is that there's a, a Canada wide cap for the number of international students who are, who are going to be able to come in, which is going to be about. Uh, about 400,000 or so. And then each province is allocated uh, a percentage of that cap based on uh, based on the population. So Ontario's population is about 38% of Canada, so they get 38% of that cap. And what this means is for Alberta, let's say, that actually doesn't have that all that many international students, uh, they could almost double the number of international students they bring in and still not hit the cap. But for Ontario... It's going to cut the numbers by half, that we would probably see about 400,000 uh, students come in this year. Now it's only going to be about 200,000. So, you know, that's like taking a city the size of uh, Kitchener, uh, you know, out of the housing market. So that's going to be absolutely transformative. So explain that, you know, how many students uh, come to Canada on, on an annual basis? I know that number is going to dip, but what, what kind of numbers are we talking about then? Yeah, so we're we're talking about. Uh, I think this year we'll probably hit about eight hundred thousand or or so. So this cap will be uh, substantial. They haven't exactly said the exact number they're going to put out, but it, it seems to be around the four hundred thousand range. But again, it, it varies uh, significantly. The effect is, is very uh, uh, significantly different depending on the province. So if you look at Ontario and BC, that have a lot of international students. Um, th that cap is going to be binding on them. They're going to have to bring in fewer students this year than they did last year. Uh, but for Alberta and Saskatchewan and Quebec, uh, you know, it's not, it's really not going to affect them. They're not going to hit the top of that cap. So it's almost like a salary cap in hockey where you have some cap teams and some non-cap teams. And, uh, you know, for, for Ontario, we're going to have to get our numbers down. 
in terms of why there's so many international students, I mean, maybe it's because we've got some great post-secondary institutions here and that that's a draw. But why are our post-secondary institutions themselves, why have they come to rely so much on international students? Well, we've had some some challenges here in, in Ontario uh, going going back about 10, 15 years. So the first thing that happened was after the 08, 09 uh, recession, uh, which hit us pretty hard, the provincial government was looking to balance the budget. So grants to colleges and universities haven't been keeping up with inflation and, and sometimes have even been cut. Uh, furthermore, uh, the province has put requirements on colleges and universities first to hold tuition flat for domestic students, but then to actually cut them by, by 10%. So the challenge for these institutions is like, well, you're, you're not getting as much money from the government and you're not allowed to charge domestic students more. Really the only place left to get money is by bringing in international students. And colleges and universities have reacted to this different ways. You know, some have you know, reasonably uh, brought in, you know, a handful of, of extra students. And then other institutions, uh, one being Conestoga College uh, in the Kitchener-Waterloo area, has brought in 30,000 students in the last 16 months. And in fact, uh, two colleges combined, Conestoga and Centennial, have brought in more international students than all of Canada's big 15 research universities. So that's more than U of T, UBC, uh, University of Alberta, University of Calgary, Western, all of them combined. All 15 of those universities haven't brought in as many international students as two regional Ontario colleges. Wow. Now, this is a, a two-year cap, and you know the immigration minister was kind of vague on what happens after that. And I guess you know part of it is that they've got two years to figure it out. But you know, are we just kind of back to 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 where we were two years from now, or what, what's your sense of what the next step might be? Yeah, so I, I think how this came about was that the the federal government and the provinces have been working on a new system of uh, you know accrediting colleges and, and universities and, play, and putting in quality controls and, and, and things like that. The challenge is that that framework's not going to be complete until 2026 or 2027. Uh, and I think the federal government started to recognize that they didn't have another two years to just basically let this uh, keep growing uh, exponentially. So, so this is kind of a stopgap measure uh, between when the new system is going to be put into place and uh, you know having the having the current system. So it is it is temporary, but I can't imagine a scenario where we go back to the old way. That again, here in Ontario. Um, there's been a lot of anger and frustration at this. Uh, right before Christmas, uh, Patrick Brown, uh, the mayor of Brampton, uh, their council uh, unanimously put in a motion calling for the federal government to do something like this. So it's, it's one of those really hyper-local issues that's uh, getting a lot of attention in 905. And we all know that uh, 905 is one of the, the areas that uh, tends to determine federal elections. When it comes to overall numbers um, of you know folks coming into Canada, because there are different pathways, right? I mean, there are international students. That's a big part of this. Uh, there's immigration. You know, those on the path to citizenship, those who are permanent residents. Uh, there are, you know, there's even you know the refugee and asylum seeker stream. Do you think the government needs to go further in, in rethinking overall immigration? Like, is is this going far enough in your view? 
I, I think it's a good uh, first step, and I think this is the you know where you see the most growth happening. That until about ten or fifteen years ago, um, you know the international student population was was pretty flat. So yes, we brought in international students, but for basically everyone that went back home, and another one would come, and uh, you, you didn't see that much growth. But over the last few years, you know, this has been one of the largest sources of population growth, and it's pretty unpredictable, which is one of the challenges, that we know, you know, next year what immigration targets are going to be, and, and cities can, can plan for that, you know, make sure that they have enough uh, services for that population, but if they don't know if the local student population is going to go up by 200 students, or 2,000 students, or 20,000 students, it makes it impossible to plan. So I, I think looking at these areas, uh, trying to apply a cap, because if you think about it, we have a cap on immigration. It kind of makes sense that we'd have a cap on these other programs, too, just, just for planning purposes, if, if nothing else. And in the meantime, though, we, we still got a housing situation, and maybe this helps alleviate some of that demand, but it, it, we, we still need to address the supply side, right? Oh, absolutely. This can't be a substitute for the supply equation. And again, this isn't going to do much for large parts of the country. Like, it really is a hyper-local issue of southern Ontario, lower mainland B.C., and a little bit in Atlanta, Canada. So, you know, we know in Alberta there there's a housing crisis as well, and I don't think this is going to do much of anything for it. So we absolutely need to see all three orders of government continue to put in supply-side reforms in order to get housing built. Because it feels like, you know, that, that it's almost too big a task, right? Because, you know, the CMHC has outlined where we need to be to maintain affordability. We're, we're well off of those targets. And maybe, you know, that leads to some kind of defeatism here. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're just kind of screwed here. What's the point? But I, I, it can all make a difference, right? There's still an opportunity to, to have a positive impact. Is that how we need to look at it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of these issues where uh, there, there's a lot going on. There's no silver bullet solution. So, you know, and we're seeing governments act uh, that, uh, you know, we've had the, the provincial government remove the HST on purpose-built rental construction. Uh, you know, that that's going to help a lot of projects become profitable. We've got provincial governments uh, implementing all kinds of zoning reforms, other uh, infrastructure projects, and so on to help housing. And we've got uh, we've got municipal governments making reforms as well, and it's going to take a lot, you know, a lot more of this. Uh, unfortunately, it is going to require governments to work well together, which they don't always do. Yeah. Uh, but but I I feel like we're moving in the right direction. Uh, but you know, we should understand the scale and the scope of this problem. That this is not something we're going to solve overnight. No kidding. We'll leave it there. Uh, Mike, appreciate your insight on all this. Thanks so much for making some time for us here today.